come together as the, uh, as the people of God because we encourage one another. And I've had great encouragement this morning. Um, someone came into church this morning and, and said, oh, you're speaking this morning. So I said, yeah. And he said, um, really good that uh, Phil, our pastor, get, gets, a, gets some time off. Then Phil, then Phil, he said, and it's really good to see the younger people getting a chance. (laughs) I won't tell you who said that. Anyway, it's good, it is good to uh, be with you this morning, and we continue our our series uh, around the the heart of, of Jesus. And I want to look at what, for me, uh, is one of my favorite passages on, in the Old Testament uh, uh, and the, one of the, the great stories from, from Luke's gospel. We know that uh, Luke was uh, a physician and a historian. He starts off his gospel by saying that he's carefully looked at things, he's carefully examined things so that he can get things in the right order. He wants, uh, he wants the, the, the life of Jesus to be recorded properly, but and, and in an orderly way, but he's not just a sort of a dry sort of reporter of events. He's a wonderful storyteller. Um, some of the great stories that Jesus told, he, he recalls the ones that we know, you know, the Good Samaritan, uh, the Prodigal Son, all those stories are in Luke's Gospel, and, and part of what the attraction of is, is the way that he reports it, the way he tells the story. And I want to look at this morning at one of the stories uh, towards the end of the gospel, the, the story of the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I think it's one of the, the best stories, as I say, in the, um, in the New Testament. You wanna, if you want to turn in your Bibles or switch on your devices or the words will come up on the screen, let's, uh, let's read it uh, together. We're going for, it's chapter 24, Luke 24. And from verse 13. Now that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about things, about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, Why are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the things, all that the the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Father God, pray that you would just bless these words to us, that you would, by your spirit this morning, speak into our hearts and our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, there was a preacher who was uh, given the honor of preaching at an important service. And uh, he was preaching on this particular passage. And just before he was about to start his talk, he started to look anxiously around the congregation. And the, the service leader sort of walked up to him, whispered to him, What's the problem? Is there somebody here who's heard the sermon before? <laughs> no, replied the preacher. I was looking to see if there's anyone who hasn't heard it before. <laughs> I've no doubt that many of you have heard uh, this passage talked about because it's one of the great ones. It's one of the ones that, uh, as I say, is worth repeating because it is at the very heart of the gospel. We've been thinking about the heart of Jesus, and in this passage, I think we see the heart of Jesus as he comes up alongside these disciples as they walk the road. We see the heart of compassion and love of Jesus as we've been thinking about that over these last uh, months, um, talking about the heart of God, the heart of Jesus here in this passage is the heart of God. It tells us so much about the Father who loves us and sends his Son into the deepest, darkest reality of our world and points us then to the living hope that we find only in Jesus. But on that Easter Sunday afternoon evening, that living hope was far from being established in the experience of these disciples as they set out to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We are told the journey, uh, Luke says the journey was about seven miles, and it would have been quite a difficult walk. Um, although, you know, probably a seven-mile walk for us is, for most of us, is quite a long way. Um, and, but in those days, of course, people walked everywhere. So a seven-mile walk probably would have been, you know, an afternoon stroll for them. That's what they did. Um, there were, were, there were no buses or cars or whatever. There were very few uh, uh, animals and very few people had, had donkeys and uh, as such like. Only the very rich had, had the donkeys and the animals to ride on. Everybody else walked. Um, that's what makes when, the, when Jesus borrows the donkey for uh, 
um, for a Palm Sunday. That's what makes that so special, that, that somebody would actually entrust them with a very expensive animal um, for Jesus to, to ride on. Um, often we think of the Christmas story, don't we, that, uh, about Mary and Joseph riding on a donkey. Uh, there, there wasn't a donkey. Um, I remember years ago, preaching at Christmas, and, uh, and I said, there wasn't no donkey. And somebody come up to me afterwards and said, you can't say there wasn't no donkey. And I said, well, can't I? Because there wasn't no donkey. And they said, because it's not English. <laughs> there wasn't no donkey. He said, it wasn't no, it wasn't, it's not English. And I said, ain't it? <laughs> well, I did. So the next week I stood up and I said, I was told off because I said there wasn't no donkey. And I'm told that's not English. What I really meant to say was there was not no donkey. Anyway, back to our two, sorry, I, I, I digress. Um, back to our two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We don't know much about who they were. We were given the name of one of them, uh, Cleopas. And some people link Cleopas with, uh, with um, the story of John in John's Gospel, uh, the, the women around the cross, where one of them is called Mary, the, mo- the wife of Clopas. And so people often think that maybe this is a, a husband and wife on their way back. The fact that they go back to the same house might, is a clue that this is a husband and wife. And we're told as they're walking along, they're having a, a discussion. In fact, the words tell us that it's a bit more than just a discussion. It was a, a heated debate. So as Jesus approaches them, he is interrupting a domestic. <laughs> Val and I were out, we were in Isham a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we got to a roundabout, and there was a car in front of us. Uh, And we sat there waiting for this car in front of us to go. But we realized that uh, the couple in the front were having a row. In fact, he was was driving. He was fully turned to her. And they they weren't going on the roundabout. And I said, Val was driving. I said, give him a toot. And she said, I'm not getting involved. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Jesus prepared to get involved. Here he is. He sees these two disciples on the road. And... um, and he, he walks and, and comes alongside them. They're deep in debate. And this stranger comes along. We, we know it was Jesus, but of course they, they don't. They were kept from recognizing him. Perhaps that helps us in a way because, uh, you know, as he talks to them, as he tells them about the things that are going to happen, they don't realize it's him. Now, we don't have the benefit of Jesus being present in that physical sense with us. And so we're a bit like them in the, in the dark. We have to make our own minds up. Uh, anyway, Jesus asked them, what are, you, what are you talking about? And we're told that they stop still. I have a friend who often would, you'd be walking and he'd talk it and then he'd stop still and turn. Which is great as long as it's not in the middle of the road which he frequently did. But they stopped still, and we're told their faces were downcast. It's amazing, isn't it, that in our English language, so many uh, of the saddest words start with the letter D. Downcast, disappointment, disillusionment, doubt, defeat, despair, death. They often start with a D, and here we're told their faces downcast. They are dispirited. They are confused about what has happened. 
at first they're, they're slightly surprised that Jesus would ask, that this, this stranger would come along and they say, are you only one in Jerusalem who don't know about these things? Because of the furore, the, 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 uh, the, the appearance of Jesus in Jerusalem, then the, the crucifixion and all that was around that, he says, well, we're surprised you don't know. There's a note of incredulity in his voice. But Jesus presses on. What things? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they eagerly replied, and they pour out their sad story. They say, this Jesus was a, was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. He was, notice the past tense, he was their experience of Jesus was in the past. They thought they were alone. The cross had taken him from them. And their minds hadn't quite got around what was happening. The cross was a, a big negative for them. They perhaps watched it from a distance. Mary, if she, if it, she is one of these disciples, she watched it close up. It's just too difficult for them. The Jesus whom they loved and followed suffered this cruel death the most degrading kind of death on the cross. Their hopes were dashed. Their dreams seemed to be over. Their hearts were broken. And even the group of disciples we, we, was beginning to fall apart. These two had walked away. They were already on their way home. And the fact that they'd already started to hear of the reports of the empty tomb didn't seem to change anything. They were still... Despondent, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. Human hope is a fragile thing, isn't it? Hopelessness is probably one of the worst diseases and the most hardest to cure. They had erected this wall of hopelessness around them. We had hoped. We don't expect it now. We once did. We had this thing called hope, but now it's gone. The heart of Jesus is to come alongside, to meet those two disciples in that moment of hopelessness and despair, and he took hold of their bewilderment and their sorrow and pointed them to the scriptures. Luke tells us, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It must have been one of the best Bible studies ever. The best talks ever to a congregation of two. I don't know how I would have felt this morning if I turned up and there were just two. But Jesus, that's the heart of Jesus, to meet us individually, who we are. There may have just been two, but that was two in as many as he needed. They needed to make sense of it. 
No doubt he would have perhaps started back even in Genesis and uh, in the disobedience of Adam and Eve and the first promise of redemption. Perhaps he would have spoken of Moses and the promises there. Certainly he would have taken them through the suffering servant passages of Isaiah 52 and 53. He showed how he fulfilled that which had been prophesied over the centuries, how the Old Testament anticipated his passion and the, his triumph of life over death, that indeed the Messiah has to suffer these things. They needed to try and make sense of it in the way that we do. To make sense of the cross, to make sense of what? Of the redemption that Jesus brings. Somehow Jesus hadn't fit their little box. And we all have those little boxes, don't we? This is God. This is Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. And when it breaks out of that, we don't know what to do. When it, when it challenges us about what we thought, what we had hoped, it's hard. And these disciples needed to be, to be challenged. How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Perhaps the key word there is all. It wasn't that they hadn't read the prophets, but perhaps they hadn't read the scriptures selectively, concentrating on those parts that they like. How often do we do that? The passages that spoke of the suffering servant didn't fit with their expectations of the Messiah. This, this Bible study would have been wonderful and, and it seems, no doubt would have seen this, this journey of seven miles would have, would have seemed like five minutes wrapped up in this absorbing conversation with Jesus whom they hadn't yet recognized. And we're told that as they approach the village, as they get home, Jesus acted as if going on farther. He was going to go on his way. The heart of Jesus is not to force himself on us. He looks and longs for our invitation. And these disciples say, no, come in. Come in. Come and stay with us. Were they ready were they ready to move on with God? We know the story. They, as, they, as he stays with them, they come around the table to have something to eat. And the bread, he picks the bread, he breaks it, gives thanks. And gives it to them. And suddenly their hearts are open. Maybe it was that point as he broke that they saw his hands. Not the hands they'd seen before when he, he broke the bread at the feeding of the 5,000, but these hands had the scars of the nails on them. And they saw him and they recognized him. They knew in an instant it was him, but in an instant he is gone. You can imagine that moment, perhaps. The two of them probably stood in amazement, maybe embracing one another with joy. Were our hearts not burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The world had come together again. Our hearts burned within us. 
The, the word burn means to set on fire, to consume, to light. Jesus ignited something. He opened their eyes. He gave them understanding. He gave them passion and purpose. Making sense of it. A great uh, evangelist, John Wesley, talked, didn't he? He talked about when he first met with Jesus, he says his heart was strangely warmed. Later on, he was asked a secret about his ministry, and he said, I asked God to set me on fire, and I let, I let people watch me burn for God. What do these disciples do now? Did they say, oh, that was interesting. That was fun, wasn't it? He seems a nice bloke. Did they say, well, he said some interesting things. I think I'd like to sleep on it to see what we do. No, this is too urgent. This is too important. They, we're told they run, returned. They, they rushed back to Jerusalem and found the other disciples to tell them what had happened but the disciples were already ahead of them. Yes, we know. Jesus is risen. He appeared to Simon. We know about it already. And they told their story. It's a fantastic story. So what do we do with it? Like many Bible stories, I think we need to just put ourselves in the story. And I want to think, as I close... Think of four moments in the story that we might just ask the Holy Spirit, just ask Jesus to speak into our lives about. There was that moment on the road as Jesus said to them, what, what are you talking about? They had a moment of honesty. They could have said, uh, no, we're fine, thank you and let him go on. But they told him how it was. We had hoped. They share with him the despair of their hearts, how they had put their trust in something, and it had been blown apart. Maybe some of us need to have that moment of honesty with Jesus. To say, there are things in which I have put my trust that I had hoped, people, situations, relationships, and it's fallen apart. And I just need to tell Jesus how it really is. A moment of honesty. One of the things that's really interesting is that in the midst of the confusion these disciples had, where are they going? They're not staying in Jerusalem where they can perhaps get things sorted. They're walking away. But Jesus comes with them. Maybe it's time for you to stop walking away. Maybe it's time for you to be honest with Jesus. Honest with God. And there's a moment of clarity. As Jesus speaks, they say later that their hearts burn within them. Maybe that's what you need right now. Maybe you just need Jesus to speak a word of clarity into your heart. You just long for 
for that sense of, um, of certainty, of knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for you. There's a moment of truth. Jesus acts as if to go on. What did they do? They invited him in. As they heard all that Jesus had to say, they could have said, as I said, that was interesting, but I won't let it change anything. I won't let it change my mind, and it certainly ain't going to change my life. But they didn't. There was a moment of truth when they invited Jesus in. And because they were willing to take that step of faith, Jesus was revealed to them. Maybe this morning, for some amongst us, it's a moment of truth. A moment either to say yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe a moment to say it again. In that honest conversation, you realize you've drifted away. Now's a chance to come back. A moment of truth. And then finally, there's that moment of transformation. Their eyes were opened. And they were transformed from these weary, downcast travelers to become people on a mission, set on fire for God. Do you need a moment of transformation? These last couple of years have been really hard, really hard for us. And one of the things I sense around the church and churches is people have somehow lost perhaps that fire, lost that longing for God. They've drifted, and, they, and we long to have that fire again, long to have that burning within us. That, do you need that moment of transformation? Do you need to be set on fire again for God? Do you need to be rekindled to get ready for what God has for us now in these coming months? Does this story speak to you? Do you need to have that moment of honesty? Do you need to have that moment of clarity? Do you need to have that moment of truth? Do you need to have that moment of transformation? As the band come back, we're going to spend a little time in worship, just opening our hearts to God. That we might say, Lord, Jesus, where in this story am I? What do you need to say to me this morning? I'm going to pray that the God, the Holy Spirit will minister to us. Encourage us and bless us and take us that next step. Let's pray. Father God, we, we just thank you. We thank you that Jesus, Lord, wherever we are, whatever direction we're walking in, whatever situation we're in, comes alongside us. He meets us today. Not sometime in the future. It's not about the past. It's about today. Lord, I pray that you would meet us today, that you would come alongside each one of us today. Lord, that you would speak to us about our journey. Lord, that you would do your work amongst us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Touch our hearts and lives.
come Holy Spirit.